Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. I am Jeff Cross, and I am here sitting across about six feet of distance from Mr. Chad Ozy. How are you, Chad? I'm good. Even though we're post-pandemic, we're still worried about our six-foot distance. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's more has to do with whether or not we took a shower this morning. I, I was going to say else. the same thing, <laughs> and I did take a shower. Here's a question for you. Let's, let's get right into it. How All often right. do you take a shower? I take a shower at least once a day. No. Yes. Yes, I do. No matter what? No matter what. Now, I think I do. I would like to say that I take once a day, but I don't know that that's always true. I think there's days where like no shower necessary, right? You know, maybe it's a cooler day. You know, I woke up. It's nice. You know, didn't get dirty. Just sat around. Didn't do much. No shower necessary. <laughs> but... I know I think about showering every day. I definitely think about that. I consider it. Yeah. And I can definitely tell you this, that I make up for If there's 365 days in a year, I definitely average one a day. Because there's some days that I take three, you know, up in the morning, before my game, after my game, three, you know, however that works. So um, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a productive morning so far. Got a few things done that I needed to get taken care of and... All that. I had a huge day yesterday. We were in the middle of moving. Mm. Uh, we're in the process of consolidating our homes. And so uh, Megan's house closes this Friday, waiting oh. to get all that stuff taken care of. And we thought we were moving into a certain house here in just a little bit. So we had a temporary space plan to move her things into before then we could combine all of our stuff in one house. And that fell through at the last minute. And so now we're kind of back to square one. So we'll have it in storage a little bit longer. But uh, yesterday, my son and I loaded up a three-bedroom house by ourselves, put it in a U-Haul, <clears throat> drove it across state lines, and uh, unloaded it at a storage. And uh, he and I both were a little little whooped after last <laughs> night, to say well, the least. Because you're forgetting a big part of the picture. Yesterday, the... It was like, what, 105 or something like that? I don't like know. That. It was hot. The heat index was, I don't know, just short of the devil. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was really, really hot. And uh, these guys worked their tails off that whole day. It was so funny. My, uh, my father-in-law came up to shake 
Caleb's hand before he left. He'd been there helping disassemble a couple things and, and move a couple things around for us. And he had some meetings yesterday he had to get to. So he was there for a little while in the morning helping us out. And he came to shake Caleb's hand. And right before it, Caleb had taken his T-shirt off and had wrung uh, it out, like right then uh, and there. I mean, it, it was just like 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 a mop, just like <laughs> going everywhere. And he looked at me, and goes, "I don't think I'm gonna shake your hand right now." Caleb yeah. goes, "That's probably a good idea." Put me down for a goodbye. That's <laughs> yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, my, my son, who deadlifts ridiculous amounts of weight, you know, who bench presses well over 300 pounds on a regular basis. Like he was, like, so he's in good physical shape. Can lift a lot of stuff. He was, he was whooped. Yeah. I mean, he was just dead whooped. It was, it was the heat more than anything. The heat could take was, it out of you. But you know, I think we've discussed this before. Who, what do you like better, hot or cold? And the heat just does not bother me. Yeah. It just doesn't bother me. Uh, yesterday, a friend of mine uh, called and said, "Hey, can you help me take the? I'm taking a putting a new uh, awning on the pontoon boat, and I'm going to take this fiberglass one off." I'm going to put a canvas one folder convertible mm-hmm. type on. I said, sure, no problem. What time do I do it? He goes, well, you know, it's already getting pretty hot. I'm like, whatever, you know, you want to do it? He's like, okay, come on over. So I said, I'm on my way. Well, I just walked. I mean, I just got in the car and mm-hmm. I had already done my walk in the morning. I'm going to get back to that later. But it's hot. It's, yeah. you know, it's mid-90s. And we get it off, you know what I mean? He's, I show up and he's like in swim trunks and a white tank top, you know, he's, you know, he's very, very much trying to be as cool as possible. Sure. Um, and I said, like, you want to put the canvas one on after? And he's like, well, I don't know. It's getting pretty hot. And you're in all dark clothes because I had like a pair of black gym shorts on, a dark gray T-shirt. He's like, you, what, you couldn't find a black T-shirt? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I just don't think it's that bad. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I just, it doesn't bother me to to to. to experience that that breathtaking heat away you know i took Gina to work yesterday and today and as soon as she walked out she went oh you know mm-hmm. it just kind of gets you but it does, doesn't bother me it's so much to where i made sure i took my walk my rucks my ruck pack and my walk in the heat yesterday i was like mm-hmm. it's, i'm gonna take advantage of this heat and it was you know really wasn't that bad i just i think it goes back to that whole neutral thinking right yeah we know it's hot mm-hmm. we don't have to keep talking about it and it doesn't bother me and we, I sweat a little bit, but I took a shower. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I, I made a very conscious decision for all of our baseball umpires out there, or if uh, if you're a basketball official who has kids or friends that play baseball or whatever, if you were out in the spring at all for a baseball game, you know that hot is not the word that hmm. was attached to spring baseball this year. I mean, it was just miserably cold. It yeah. was all those things. And I hate cold. We've talked about that on here before. But I made it a very conscious decision then that – if I was going to complain about the cold, then I was not allowed to complain about the hot. Ah. So, you know, one of my friends said, man, it's going to be a hot one out here. I'm like, nope, it's going to be just fine <laughs> on like this field it. because it's not going to be cold. You know, like so again, it. I think it's it's just a mindset. Thing. Sure. And I'm, for people that like it the other way around, they can complain about the hot they want, but then don't complain about the cold in spring. Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's a very good way of thinking about that because we – we surround ourselves or we're surrounded by a lot of people that complain about all of it. Sure. You know, they're only happy about three, four days out of the year Yeah, <laughs> because it's either too cold or too hot. It's never that perfect degrees. And if it is the perfect degree, guess what it is? It's too windy. It's too sunny. I remember, I don't know if I've ever told the story to you or not, but I was working at bumper to bumper, you know, selling auto parts. And we had a, a older gentleman there that was just, he just wasn't happy. Less he was unhappy, kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? 
And I think most of us know somebody like that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And we had the back garage door open, and the sun was coming in that back garage door. We were doing some work in the back there, and the sun just kept on. Every time he'd take a step, it'd blare him in the eyes. He goes, man, that stupid sun. It's always something. I'm like, man, you're not even happy when the sun's out. You know? <laughs> he just, you know, he just wasn't happy with it. So I thought that was interesting. It really made me realize that, you know, I don't, do you ever say this? I say it to people I, I'm close to all the time, like family members and stuff. I said, if I start acting that way, you got to let me know. Mm-hmm. Do you say that to people? I have, yes. I'm afraid that they won't tell me. Mm-hmm. So even though I've asked them to tell me, I'm afraid they won't tell me because they're like, oh, Jeff's going senile or whatever it is. He's going crazy. So I, I make a conscious effort to take it upon myself to not act that way because I'm afraid that my friends and family won't tell me, Jeff, you're, you're being an idiot here. So, yeah, well, you know, and I, I think we even do that within the officiating world. You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, Hey, you know what? If, if I ever get to the point that, mm-hmm. that I can't do that anymore, let me know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and maybe it's because you, uh, you were on a basketball crew and you and your friend were working with a third who maybe is past Mm-hmm. the ability to work that level, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're on the drive home and you're like, you know, hey, if, if that's ever me, let me know, mm-hmm. right? We've we've had those kinds of conversations. Yeah. But then there's a reason you didn't have that conversation with, with somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe it's because, yes, you didn't have as close a relationship or whatever, but a lot of times it's just because, like, nobody wants to be that guy. I you mean, know? when we talk about courage all the time, it takes great courage to tell someone that you've worked with for 20 years or 15 years or whatever the number is and tell them the game's passed you up, man. You yeah. got to get out. Yeah. That is a difficult, difficult thing to do because the reason they're doing it is not because no one's told them to get them out, get out. It's because they believe they can still do it. Mm-hmm. And when you still believe you can do it, there's nothing a whole lot of people can say to convince you. And then when you hear it, you're not going to believe it. Yeah. I had a, a really good friend of mine, uh, names Randy Kirschke. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about him on the podcast before. Uh, phenomenal umpire and even better guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a good dude. And, uh, Randy came to me, uh, a little over a year ago. He said, Chad, I'm, I'm done. And I was like, no, you're not. He said, I just, I can't do what I used to do. I'm not. I said, Randy, like we worked games together two weeks ago. Yeah. Like you can still like, and part of the reason I was saying that is because as a coordinator, like I still wanted him on my games. Mm-hmm. I wanted him working with younger officials mm-hmm. and doing things like that. But another reason why is because I, I knew he was not in the bottom third. You know, if, if, if I'm just in my mind, I'm grading officials that okay. I see work. Sure. He was not in the bottom third. Mm-hmm. And to me, if you're not in the bottom third, then you're still a, very viable official in that sport. Right. Right. Interesting concept there too, by the way, you know, you're not, you're not looking to fire anybody or get rid of anybody, but you got your eyes on the bottom third. Sure. And then you have your eyes on the middle third to go, when can I elevate them to the top of the third? Yeah. Top third. So interesting. I like yeah. That. So, so here I am and I've got him there, but what he was telling me is, is that he couldn't do it at the level he wanted to do it anymore. Mm. And I could have said, no, Randy, no, Randy, no. Like, I need you. You know, I, I could have applied all of this pressure to him. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny thing. That's what most of us choose to do. 
instead of helping somebody mm-hmm. find the right way to exit, what do we do? You know, we had some people this year um, that stepped away from college basketball. But if you're in the Midwest, especially if you work for for Randy Fox or uh, Scotty Doberstein or other people like that, you know that there were some people here in the in the Midwest, the Northern Illinois, Wisconsin kind of area who stepped away from basketball officiating this year, mm-hmm. who have been like stalwarts in the officiating yeah. world for dozens of years. I mean, these are people who have worked high level. They've worked conference tournaments. They've worked regionals. They've done all of these kinds of things. And they made the decision to step away. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting hearing the conversations that would go on about that. Not with them there, but, you know, you'd show up at a camp. Did you hear so-and-so's done? Yeah. Oh, that can't be true. Right. Like, they, they just worked the conference tournament last mm-hmm. year. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, well, surely, you know, maybe, you know what, maybe, maybe they just need to get a breath away from it and then they'll come back. Like, that's what everybody was kind of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, or at least a lot of people. And I find it so interesting that that's the way we operate sometimes, you know, and I think there were lots of different reasons why some of those people stepped away. I know one of them, he just had so much fun spending time with his grandkids over COVID. Yeah. You know, he's like that. I, I like that more than I like basketball. Yep. Now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Then why in the world would I pressure them to stay in basketball? Because now I'm taking them away from something that's become a greater passion for them. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think we all experience that, you know, we're going to go through seasons. We're going to go through chapters of life where some things are more important than others. And then the next chapter, things may be different. And it, it's a constant change too, right? It's, it's a, you know, a, a career of seasons. When we, when we, we don't understand that we might really like hanging out with our grandkids and playing with our grandkids until we have some more time to do that. Mm. And when that window becomes open, we jump through that window and we go, Ooh, this is fun. I can do this, you know? Um, so when we get so preoccupied with something we're driving towards, you know, I hate to use the word goal, right? But you know, our, our, <laughs> everybody our, mark it down. Uh, Jeff just used the word goal on the uncommon drive podcast. Right. We have brought a, him over <laughs> to the light. It was more of a condescending way though. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to take it the way I want to take yeah. it. So, you know, our, our goals just change. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And we don't realize they can change until we try something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love it. I've said this before. I love it when people call me crazy, and I really love it when I get a chance to try something totally new. Mm-hmm. I, that that just gets my juices flowing, and it makes some of the people around me very, very nervous. My wife would be one of those. You know, she just like I'm going to try something different. What are you trying? Scuba diving? Whoa! What do you know about scuba diving? You know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try scuba diving. Just be clear. I don't <laughs> look good in a rubber suit. <laughs> or maybe it's the flippers. I'm not for sure which one that makes me look bad, but. I want to be able to try those things. Mm-hmm. And when I get opportunities and someone asks me, will you try this? Would you want to try this? I'm probably going to first thing say, okay, am I going to die? And do I have the time? If I'm not going to die and I have the time, I'm probably going to give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. You know, we've been talking over the last several episodes about, um, about some new chapters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about Jeff stepping into a, a new chapter of baseball. Um, we've uh, talked about 
you know, camp season. You know, that's 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 a new chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, as we turn the page from one season to a next, and and I had a conversation with somebody just this last week, um, and they were a little disappointed that they had not gotten the baseball postseason this year that they've been used to getting in the past, and you know, they made the comment that they just didn't feel like they had regressed at all, right? That it was, mm. they they were just as good as they'd been. And I, I find it interesting because, you know, you use the term seasons there. Mm-hmm. Well, you can have a, you can have a basketball team that's a, you know, a 30 win team, right? In college basketball, 30 win team, that's a good team, mm-hmm. right? And let's say for six straight years, they win 30 games and they win their conference. If in year seven, they win 30 games, but another team wins 32, guess what? They didn't win their conference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? So sometimes the reason that other people get opportunities is not because you regressed. It's because they advanced. We all know there are teams that are powerhouse teams Baseball, basketball, football, whatever that thing is, we're just year in, year out. They are so good. But then every once in a while, they got a year where they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that college football team that's always in one of the big major bowls. And then all of a sudden now they're playing in the, you know, the Joker Bowl, wherever, you whatever, know. Yeah. And it's it's not the same thing. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with our evaluation to say that. You know, there are some seasons that were better than others. I'm going to give you a, a story that I can really relate to because I think this is very, very true. And I learned this early in my officiating career. So in 92, I went to umpire school, professional umpire school, whatever. You know, I'm, I, I don't even know the exact numbers anymore. I'm just going to give you some round numbers. A hundred people. Mm-hmm. They take whatever, the top 20. I was like 22 or 23, didn't make it. And everybody's like, man, I wonder why you didn't make it. You were so good. You were so good. And I said, well, maybe it wasn't about if I was good. Maybe I was in a good class mm-hmm. and they were better. Yeah. It's not about whether I was qualified or could do it. But when you, you know, someone who gets, you know, we just got done with graduation. You know, all, most high schools are out of graduation, out, out of school. And somebody's got to get the valedictorian, right? If they, if that number two person would have went to school in a different year, they would have had it. Sure. They would have graduated next year or the year before, they would have had it. But unfortunately, they are in this group. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. And it's just, we 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 spend a lot of time and energy and even mental time and energy going, okay, how come I didn't do it? Mm-hmm. How come I didn't make the postseason? And if you've done all the things you're supposed to do, maybe it's got nothing to do with what you're doing it's got to do with how other people are progressing around you. Yeah. Well, you know, since we're talking about this idea of, of seasons and chapters and things like that, uh, one of the things that Jeff and I thought would be interesting for us, we're not sure if it'll be interesting for you as a listener or not, but for, for it us, it's going to be kind of good. Yeah, it will be. Uh, is it will. to kind of talk about what our chapters and seasons look like mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jeff, as you approach, you know, as, as sports officials, I think we kind of think in terms of a school year, you know, especially for those of us that are collegiate, yeah. um, you know, we kind of think fall through spring and then, you know, you got the the summer that comes with it, which is, you know, we've 
term the the training season it's not the off season we're just right. training for the thing that's next right so as you look at the 2022-2023 year for you as a sports official what's 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 next for you what's the next chapter yeah that's a good question and i you know i i would say that i think about this daily I would, I would I would definitely think about it daily. I don't know if I put as much energy into it every day, but daily it's part of my process. You know, you know, why do I walk in the morning for my for my games next fall mm. or next winter? You know, why do I, you know, not eat a large pizza every night for my games next fall? Oh, that also involves because I want to live longer you know, than the people around me. I want to be the last one alive, basically, you know. I don't think that's the case either. But I just want to, you know, I have goals in that in that generation where that, that situation where I, would, I don't want to be, I when I'm at the end of my life, I don't want to be like, okay, well, he's on these medicines for, he's been on these medicines for the past 15 years. I don't want to be that person. I want to live medicine-free. So that's, those are the reasons I do those things. So for me, my goal I'm going to talk baseball for a second because that's okay. the first sport. That's the sport we're in right now. I really, really, really want to go to camp and be evaluated. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being evaluated in camp, in a baseball camp situation, to measure up how much I've lowered or am I the same or, you know, as you know, those kind of things. I want to see the people that are umpiring around me. I want to see all of that because I'm not really getting a chance to measure that up mm-hmm. in the summertime. I mean, I'm working in games with, you know, a handful of people, you and one or two other people. That's not a true gauge, right? I want to be in a group of 50 or 100 guys and go, okay, I'm watching all these umpires. And I'm trying to watch myself. And I'm trying to get the feedback. And I'm hearing what they're saying. I, I'm really, really looking forward to that That season for me to go, okay, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. This is, I've got a long way to go. I, I think I have that no matter what is said, I have a long way to go, but it's going to be really, really nice to be able to get that fresh look, I guess. And that fresh look at, at something that I used to be pretty proficient at. Sure. And not that I'm not now, but I really, I'm really needing that, that outside voice to help me with that situation. I don't know if that, if that, if you could relate or not on that, because you know, when, when was the last time you've been to a baseball camp? Do you still go to baseball camps? Oh, yeah. I go camps every year. And do you remember your first one? Oh, yeah. So it was – was it was it difficult to process on when you go in thinking, I feel like I'm this good. And then when people tell you you're not that good, is that a difficult process for you? Or? Well, you know, the funny thing for me was that both basketball and baseball, when I went to my first camp, I knew I was no good. You know, both sports. I, oh, yeah. Both sports. I knew when I stepped in that I was I was definitely in the bottom third and probably in the bottom third of the bottom third. Wow. Because I just I just didn't know I hadn't been doing it that long. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really fortunate that I stepped into the collegiate world really, really early in my officiating career. And I I credit that to whatever whatever success I've had, I credit to that happening. Because I really feel like if I had been in the high school world for 10 or 15 years before mm-hmm. I had transitioned to the collegiate, I think I would have had really bad habits in place. Mm-hmm. I think I would have become very complacent. Mm-hmm. But there was something when 
you know, when I very first started out with, with baseball, I realized that there was a lot I didn't know. You know, I'd make a call in a game at some youth league somewhere and somebody would say, that's not right. And somebody else would say it is right. And somebody else would say, find a rule book or whatever, you know, (laughs) and I'd go home and I'd find the rule book and I, I might realize that I'd gotten it right, but I'd realized that since there were two or three other opinions out there, told me there were lots of people that didn't know it. So Mm. I better figure it out. And, uh, that's a good point. I I still remember to this day I was working, this was like a nine year old kid's game. I mean, I mean, this is where I started out, right. You know, at the very bottom and this kid pitched a ball and it hit the dirt and it came up and it hit the batter in the side. Right. So full bouncing ball hits him in the side. So I call time and I send the kid to first base and the coach comes out and the coach is like six, six two (laughs) forty. (laughs) <laughs> okay, looking at me, going, going. That, that ball hit the ground. That's a dead ball. He he doesn't get to go to first. Well, at that point, I I couldn't have quoted him the rule, <laughs> like at all, right? Yeah, right. But common sense hopped into my mind, and I just looked at him. I said, "You remember watching Roger Clemens? Oh yeah, he was great." I said. How many times, if Roger Clemens could have got away with it, do you think he would have bounced a ball into somebody just to get a piece of him? <laughs> he looked at me and goes, fair enough. <laughs> he turned around and walked back in the kid's state at first base, you know? Because yeah. I didn't know the rule book knowledge. It just made common sense to me. But sure. we all know in the world of sports officiating, not everything we do has to deal with common sense. That is for sure, yeah. Right? You know, and whether that's the rotations that we make, whether it's just the mechanics we use or the rules that we're applying and enforcing. So I just really early on, just that very first year that I was even doing kid stuff, I went to a college baseball camp because it was the only place that I could find that was teaching two-man mechanics. You know, that wasn't just a high school thing where you showed up and watched a PowerPoint and got a sticker. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. And so I, I went to that camp and... I got so addicted to the culture, the culture of wanting to be the best we could be, the mm. culture of wanting to elevate. And at that first camp, I was no good. I mean, I was no good. But that camp was in the fall. I went to another camp the next summer. And the person who was running that camp will tell you to this day, when he saw my name on the roster, he's like, oh, well, Chad's a really good guy. But he's not a good umpire. I'm not going to be interested in watching him. Sure. Yeah, right? yeah. But at the end of that camp, I had taken all the stuff they had given me at camp number one and applied it and practiced it. And now I came there and I got hired in college baseball just because I'd done the work. And now I went from being the bottom third of the bottom third to now maybe the bottom third of the middle third. Yeah. And it was good enough to get hired. Well, I did that for a couple of years and I've been doing high school b- basketball along with, and y'all know that, you know, breaking into varsity basketball at the high school level is sometimes harder than breaking into Fort Knox. I mean, it's like the mafia. Yeah. Like it's right? tough. Yeah. And so I ended up having a conversation with the guy sitting across the table from me right now being like, I love this culture in baseball, mm-hmm. but I really love working basketball. So how do I get into this culture on the basketball side? Yeah. And so I went and did that. So to come back to your original question, you know, for me, the the camp process, um, I go in not expecting to be the best. Almost every place that I go, you know, I, I go into some camps thinking that I 
I should be working to hang with the best. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to a camp this weekend where if I consider myself a crew chief level at, at that level of camp that I'm going to, then I need to be one of the best. Right. I'm not going to say I'm the best, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I need to be one of the better officials at that camp. I'm then going to go to a camp a couple weeks later where I know for a fact I'm not going to be the best, but I want to be better at that camp this year than I was at that camp last year. And that for me is something that's significant. If if those people that are evaluating see a consistent improvement in what sure. I do, I think it makes me more marketable. Something you said that has struck me. You talked about the culture mm-hmm. at your baseball camp, right? Yep. And you fell in love with the culture. I want to know the culture of trying to be the best, right? Yep. Is that culture the same? Did you find that to be the same from baseball to basketball? Um, and if so, how is it different? How is it the same? Is there some some points that are maybe even a little bit different? Yeah. So I would say the general culture is the same, right? Number one, um, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Yeah. You know, right. okay, so that's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Both it, ways, right? Yes. Both sports. Both, both sports. It's not like at the high school level where one crew does it this way and another crew does it. We have this wonderful thing called the CCA mechanics manual mm-hmm. that some mm-hmm. of us hate, but it's actually one of the greatest things in the whole world because it's a blueprint for how we do what we do. Yeah. So I can work a baseball game here in Illinois and tomorrow I could fly out to New Jersey and I could work a game there. And then I could fly from there to Oregon and I could fly from there to Mississippi and the crew would do the same mechanics every single place. Yeah. And we all know in the high school world that doesn't happen. It doesn't, you know, take basketball. Hey, uh, we're not going to rotate much, you know, just, just kind of hang on your own side, right? We're going to be fine. Or if it's a if it's a two-person game, yeah. oh my gosh, those poor two-people two guy. Hey, uh, rotate when necessary. And when necessary for them means if, you know, a nuclear explosion <laughs> goes off outside and you're running for the bomb shelter. That's, That's exactly the only right. appropriate time to yeah, rotate. Yeah, which really means never, right? That's right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that. So I, I love... You know that part of it is the is the same. Hey, there's a there's a way to do things. There's a way not to do. And I, I'm going to interrupt Please. you for a second here. So, baseball, high school baseball, two man. There's some pretty consistent mechanics that are being used, opposed to two person basketball, where it's like, hey, we're just going to fly by the seat of our pants. And when you get in a two person baseball game, nine times out of ten, you're both going to follow the same protocols unlike basketball correct except there's even lots of things there you know a guy in the a position says i'm never going out on a ball i have heard that from high school umpires all time i'm not going out on a ball or here's what i hear more the plate umpire will look at you at the base umpire and say don't you dare go out ain't that something because they don't want to cover a runner into second base Mm mm-hmm and it's, it's difficult. It's tough to do that. You know, you and I worked a college game the other day where yeah. I think I covered second base like eight times. Yeah, thanks. You, you didn't tell me I couldn't go out. I'm like, that's I'm right. out here. I think that's going to be a close play second. I'll be out in the outfield <laughs> if you need me, right? <laughs> but, you know, those are the kinds of things that we're expected to do as mm. collegiate officials. Yeah. And especially with the official shortage, like I get it. There are some... There are some people that are staying in the game so that kids can play mm-hmm. and they may not be at a physical ability yeah. to go cover that play at second yeah. base. So maybe the reason they're telling them that is because that's a need. It's a necessity in order to get this game played. 
And I'm not faulting them for that, but at the collegiate level, we don't have to deal with that. Sure. Okay. So we know the the culture of wanting to do things by the book per se, right? Is, yep. is That's there. The, but then the next piece that I would say to that when it comes to the culture is that the culture is to always be learning, always be improving. Whereas I feel like a lot of times at our high school, and, and I'm not knocking our high school officials, I'm the president of our local officials association, sure. and we have phenomenal, amazing high school officials around us. But just if I want to talk about the cultures in general, mm-hmm. right, you know, I'm, I'm making stereotypical statements here. Yeah. A lot of times we feel like once we attain a certain level in high school, we've kind of reached the ceiling. Like we don't have to get a lot better or whatever better we get just comes from working more games, just comes from having more experience, more wisdom, whatever. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with how you've adjusted your game. That's right. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Whereas at the collegiate level, I mean, there's a, there's an official coming to the camp that I'm going to this year. She is one of my favorite officials to work on a court with anywhere, anytime. She's an amazing person on top of being an amazing official. She has been doing this long enough that there is no need for the levels that she works for her ever to have to show up to a camp. Sure. She could never go to a camp again the rest of her career and still get as many games as she needs to get until it's time for her to step away from the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. But she signed up. She paid her money. She's going to camp because she wants to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. She wants to hear what are the things we're teaching this year? Mm-hmm. What are the things we're focusing on? Not only that, she wants to give back. She's going to be there to help other officials at mm-hmm. the camp and do things like that. I mean, she's a person that could be a clinician at this camp. Oh, yeah. She could probably have her own camp. Absolutely. You know, and yet she's going as a camper. Mm-hmm. You don't see that happen at lower levels. And so that's part of the culture for me that I believe is very similar in both sports, baseball and basketball. Now, one of the big differences, baseball, basketball, when it comes to the culture, uh, baseball, very male driven. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And I would say that there is a lot more competitiveness within the baseball world. And and I'll even use the term negative competitiveness, Mm. you know, where, you know, well, if he gets games, and that means I'm losing games, and so I don't want that. I don't know? think he's very good because that if I say he's not very good, that makes me better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I I work college women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, college women's basketball. There's a very healthy mix of male female. There, uh, a vast majority now of our coordinators and supervisors and things like that are female. Um, and I'm not saying that it's just purely because of that mix, but I will say I, I do feel that that competitiveness in that kind of way is very different. Now, is there still some present? Sure. Everybody wants the bigger games. Everybody mm-hmm. wants the more stuff and all. But it seems like it is a much more collaborative group than the baseball. And again, only if I'm speaking stereotypically. Sure. I'm just speaking just kind of generalizations across the board. And so I feel like there is a more... Um, a, a little more supportive environment. Now I feel fortunate that a lot of the baseball people that I've surrounded myself with, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the places that I choose to go to, to learn and things like that have that same kind of environment. But I chose those because of what I had experienced on the basketball side. Mm-hmm. So I began to pick and choose and go, Oh, okay. Well, I, 
because I like that on the basketball side, I'm going to seek that out on the baseball side. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to spot once you've kind of lived through it. You're like, oh, yes. I know where I want to be, right? You know, it's that, what's that uh, phrase? Um, if you uh, walk with a lame, you'll develop a limp. Mm. You know, and that's what happens, right? So if you surround yourself with those people that are always being negative or always, uh, you know, forcing other people down to try and raise themselves up. Well, if you surround yourself with those people, that's exactly what you're going to do. Sure. You know, um, whether or not you want to do that or not, just doesn't make any difference. That's just what you're around. That's what you're surrounded by. I would agree. You know, it's been a minute since I've been really in a competitive baseball side, but um, it is definitely on the NCAA women's basketball side. Everyone, everyone's a strong, strong word. Most everyone wants everyone to have success. Mm-hmm. They want, if you're good and you are a good person and you have good core values, they're going to want you around this game. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for the baseball side. I don't remember it so much, you know, from 15 years ago, but that is probably one of the biggest things I fell in love with in NCAA women's basketball was knowing that when I walked in the locker room, there was an above average chance that the two people I was working with wanted the same success as they wanted for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a good feeling. Yeah. That makes going to the game a lot easier. That's right. That makes doing the things that we're supposed to do on a night to night basis a lot easier. Yeah. That makes driving that three hour trip in 35 degree or 30 degree weather with a four inches of snow a lot easier. Sure it does. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So here we are, right? We've got culture. Was there a third one? No. No, okay. Yep. All right. So there's, you know, there's two different things. Um, what, you know, we talked about my goal in baseball, yep. you know, and we think it's, I'm really looking forward to, I don't know that I even have, like I said, have a, a, a reach, mm-hmm. like I want to be in the Big Ten or whatever that is, right? I just, you know, I want to I wanna stick my toe in the water and see how cold it is. That's yeah. what I really want to do. What about you? You know, baseball for me, I, I am a goals person, mm-hmm. you know, unlike Jeff Weirdo. who just couches goals in other terminology. Um, but uh, but for me, um, I, I've had some success the last couple of years getting to work, you know, some conference tournaments, um, getting the opportunity to expand what I do as I work up levels and things like that. And uh, had a really great opportunity this last year to work some NCAA postseason. And for me, uh, right now, on the officiating side of it, as far as actually being on the field, um, you know, I I would love to see that continue to its ultimate goal of getting the opportunity to work in an NCAA World Series. Um, and uh, that's that's not at the D1 level. Uh, I'm currently on the D3 track Mm -hmm. uh but for me that would be awesome to get to go to go do that and be a part of that and and typically as you elevate in that way you're getting more and more d1 opportunities along the way as you're recognized as a as a postseason type uh official and all uh and so that's that's part of where i would i would like to go with that um but for me the the bigger thing in baseball whether i get that or not I'm, I'm really looking at how does my impact on the game stretch beyond my on-field mm. time. So I am loving the opportunity to teach at a few more camps and clinics this year. Uh, 
that's something I, I feel like I do well. I feel like I'm a, a good communicator. I'm, I'm a good instructor. And so I really love the opportunities to do that and make an impact on others who are in the game. Uh, and then as a coordinator, um, you know, in the future, I'd, I'd love to be coordinating and supervising, you know, well after my officiating days are over on the on the baseball field. And so that's that's something that is a is a long term goal for me, too. I think, you know, talk about you, you know, giving to the game as a clinician. You said something to me after one of our games on one of the bases, and, and you'll probably correct me because I know I'm going to say it wrong, but something about we were discussing whether it be in position A or position B or position C yeah. in a two-man crew. If second base is in peril, mm-hmm. you want to be in B. B. Yep. Peril meaning? That it could be stolen. Got you. So yep. if it's second and third, it can't be stolen, I want to be in C. Yep. First and third... I want to be in B. Correct. It's in peril. Yeah. I thought that was a very good phrase, right? So that that helped me a lot. And what was the, the other phrase that you used? Um, uh, pop up means pivot. Yep. Right. So yep. if we have an infield pop up. It doesn't mean you're staying there. You're coming in and pivot if you're if you're in position A. Yep. You know those kind of things. Whether you got those from someone else, I or, definitely did. None yeah. of that's original with me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you're spreading that because it hits you. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that makes sense. I can stick with that. I can use that to others, with others. And that's what you're doing. And I'm, I'm telling you, the last time we worked together in, down in Bloomington mm-hmm. or in Normal, we had an infield pop-up. I go, oh, that means pivot. Yep. Here I go, you know. Mm-hmm. So those, I think you're probably uh, on, a, on a good track to continue that that effect on others through the clinician or through the, you know, the mm-hmm. education side. So I would can, encourage you to stay with it. On the second note as far as baseball goes and i don't know what it means coming for me but i'm telling you right now your strike zone at normal was i was like golly how is he doing so good you know what i mean how, how is he doing it like that you know oh, that 20 dollars i paid you before the podcast yeah I it off. No, no 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 dude i mean you had whatever you know because there were some pitches on that mm, maybe right and even the coaches like, mm, maybe but Pitcher and catcher never really had the issue with it because they knew what it was, right? Or you were able to communicate half a ball outside or whatever mm-hmm. that might be. So that was very impressive to me. And we talked about it after the game. One of the, I believe one of the most consistent things, one of the ha- most hardest things to do in calling balls and strikes is be consistent on the lower part mm-hmm. because it's a tough pitch. Sure. And there you really only had one real beef that you called a strike on the lower part of the knees. Yep. Whether or not you miss it or not is regardless. But I'm thinking this this guy just saw, you know, close to 300 pitches, we'll say, for the game, 150 per side, you know, that's that's a, that's an that's a real task to do. Um and I believe your, you know, your your mental conditioning that you've done over the springs and then the falls when you're just in cage work, all that stuff has helped helped you bring you to this point. Because when I see myself getting behind a plate, I feel good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know I've missed pitches, but I also know I got some pitches right. But I just thinking to myself, I just don't know that I'm at that point yet. I think I will be, and I think I mm-hmm. can be. I think maybe even I was at one time. Sure. But I, I see that, and I and I'm I'm admirable. I'm like, hmm, I, I'm admirable. I'm admiring your your skill set back there. So um, know that both of those things that you talked about are still in uh, 
I think, peak form. Oh, I appreciate that. It's very kind. So when you look towards basketball in 22-23, what's that look like for Jeff Cross? Yeah. Um, you know, I have some some internal uh, – Say it. Say it. Goals. Yeah, I don't Goals. want to say it. Internal thoughts. <laughs> internal thoughts about this. Um, there's a couple things, right? I would I would really love – to um, get a, a strong enough schedule to where my coordinator can't use me in Division Two anymore. Mm, okay. You know, I would like to be able to. Now, I don't get a lot of games. I get whatever, one or two, maybe three. So I don't do a lot. Sure. But it would be nice to fill those. It's like, listen, it's just Jeff's too busy. We yep. can't use him in Division Two. Um and I love that goal of yours because then that means there's more D2 games opened up for me. So yeah. you push on towards that, buddy. Yeah. You know, that's that's just a personal yeah. goal idea of mine that I would like to really move towards that. It's been like that for a few years. Sure. Um, when it happens, it happens. Or if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not too, too stressed about it. But ultimately, I want to be able to impact the game just like you do, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in the instruction side. But I, I want to be able to stay involved in the game. I want to affect the game and the people around me in the game so much during my time on the floor that they cannot deny me a position when I come off the floor. Mm. So they're like, you know, he's just, we can't lose. Okay, fine. He can't run up and down or whatever. He doesn't want to run up and down. He doesn't want to travel every night. He doesn't want to do that. But we got to find a spot for him involved in our game to help others. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I want to have that kind of impact where they they, they have no option but to, to find a spot for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that. And, you know, for those of you that have had Jeff as a clinician, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fortunate enough to have Jeff as a clinician this week. And it was funny. I actually had somebody ask me just this last week. I was I was working basketball. Uh, in fact, the day that we had the normal game, oh, yeah. I had worked seven basketball games that morning. <laughs> so my physical uh, ability was not at its peak, but my mental was forced to be. Otherwise, I couldn't have sure. I couldn't have functioned. But uh, I was there, and uh, Jen Washoe, who was one of the uh, who's one of the clinicians at the camp that we've got this week, she and her husband John, so mm-hmm. they're both D one basketball officials. Uh, John on the men's side, and Jen on the women's. They were working the court right next to me, and I didn't even notice it at first. I'm running up and down the court, and all of a sudden, this official like bumps into me. Like they had to come way off their court. They're like, <laughs> what the heck? And I thought, well, maybe there's like an out of bounds or something, and I just wasn't paying attention. And I come back down, it happens again. And I turn around, I'm like, holy cow, what mm. in the world's going on? And uh, so my partner that day was like, uh, so, so what's it like, you know? Because he he knew that you were going to be, I mentioned that she was going to be one of the clinicians at my campus last week. And a big reason I was there working was just to see plays before. So, you know, the first time I'd been on a basketball court in six months wasn't, mm. you know, yeah. my camp game. Sure. You know, and you never know who you're going to be in front of for that very first camp game. And he's like, well, you know, what's, what's it like being in front of them or like being in front of Jeff, you know, while you're at a camp? Because like these are friends of yours I said well yeah I said it means that they can be a lot more tough with me than sometimes they can be with other people mm-hmm. you know because they're they're gonna be honest with me and they're mm-hmm. gonna tell me what's there but I, I think that's also one of your uh you know one of your strengths as a clinician is your communication ability and not only that but your ability to temper it to the person mm. 
You know, I, I see some clinicians that are out there and if a person misses four rotations, you know, they, they should have come across and they didn't, and they should have come across and they didn't, they should have, you know, they're going to sit there and they're just going to beat them up on that, you know, over and over and over. And sometimes you have the ability to look at it and go, okay, they're just, they're not used to this yet. Let's communicate to them about something they can fix this next game. Mm. You know, and then at the end of it, all, hey, you know, and, and it wouldn't hurt to get across the lane a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've seen you do things like that. Um, which is good. And, and I think for any of our folks that are listening to this, that are going to camps, baseball, basketball, whatever, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to listen to clinicians communicate to other campers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, now we do that. Just listen, please don't insert. Mm-hmm. It's not the time for you to ask questions. It's not the time for you to make a statement. No, just shut up and listen. Right. Yeah, you're not going to get any more games right. by interrupting someone's post game with the clinicians. So, That's right. You unless know? it's yours. You know? That's right. Just, just, just sit there and listen because you're going to find them saying things to other people. You're like, well, why didn't they say that to me? Mm. Well, maybe it's because I'm not ready for that communication yet. Mm. Or maybe it's because I wasn't as open to the communication as they were. Yeah. You know, or maybe it's just that's not the area of game that I needed to be working on. And so now that's a confirmation to me that I'm I'm doing good things in that part of my game. Yeah, that part wasn't glaring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's there's things like that 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 go on. And so, you know, when you talk about having an impact on the game. You know, a huge reason why a lot of people listen to this podcast is because they know the name Jeff Cross, you know, and you've had a longstanding connection to basketball, both at the college level and at the high school level. Mm. You still come back to our high school associational meetings and Mm. talk and help do video breakdown and all that kind of thing, because the game means something to you beyond just the ball going up, Yeah, you know, when, when the game starts. And so I, I think that's huge. And I will say, while I totally understand why you want to move on from those, you know, handful of D2 games every year, and I would be more than happy to take them from you. Mm-hmm. Trust me, if anybody out there is listening, I'd be, I'd be more than willing to have them. Um, when that happens, the D2 game will lose something. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's like you said, when when I when I move on from the game, I, I want them to say I still need him to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if part of the reason you still have those handful of games is because it would be too costly to your assigner to lose you to lose your impact there, whether it's helping mentor, you know, other officials that will be crew chiefs, mm-hmm. whether it's just providing that stabilizing experience, you know, in the league with a couple coaches or yeah. whatever, you know, uh, and, and I get as a coordinator, you know, when I have really great officials that I can use on a lower level game, oh my gosh, it looks so good, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so for that coordinator to pull you off of those games means it costs them something, you know, their, their crew as a whole isn't going to be as strong as it would be with you there. So when that happens, the good news is, is it means that there are people that are ready to take your spot, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also, it's also a feeling to know that, that when that happens, it costs your coordinator something to do that. And that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I want to be clear too. I don't want to not do them because I don't want to do them. Sure. You want to do it because you got other games. Well, yeah, that and, um, I see 
I see who I'm working with a lot of times, right? You know, I still keep track of box scores and maybe go back and watch a little past, you know, maybe the third quarter or fourth quarter of a game or something like that. If I hear about a situation, um, I believe our division two officials look pretty good. Mm -hmm. I think they're in a pretty good spot. Yep. Now, granted, they're not in the big 10 spot, you know, or the SEC spot or whatever that may be. But I think there is, there's some quality work happening at the division two level. And even at the division three level, we don't, we don't, we tend not to see it because we're so focused on this one official that missed one play in a two point ball game. Sure. Instead of going, man, we had one official miss one play in two point ball game. And we had 10 other games going on within the league and they all went off without a hitch. Yep. That doesn't mean our game is in a bad spot. It means our game's in a really good spot. When it's reversed, then we've got issues. And we that's what happens, right? You know, negative draws clicks. It draws, you know, mm-hmm. the clickbait, right? Oh, something bad. Oh, they're talking bad about this official. And everybody clicks on this, this, this clip. When really a lot of good things are happening. And that's probably why it would be nice to be able to say, you know, I don't have to do it anymore. Not that I don't have to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And maybe I still have the time. Maybe I can become that. I can start molding what that looks like for me to help Division Two mm-hmm. and still work my Division One. So when I so I'm prepared. So when I come off Division One, I, I can help Division One. Yeah. So I think I think it's it's twofold there, mm-hmm. and I, I would really I'm really anxious to see what that's going to look like in the next you know five to ten years. Yeah, and. You know, I know you've said for a long time that, you know, for you, you know, postseason is just bonus, right? Yeah. Whether that's conference tournament, whether that's NCAA postseason, whether it's WNIT, that kind of thing, you know, that's that's all bonus. But if if there were some things that you say, but before you come off the court, and maybe it's this season, maybe it's not, you know, but if there were just one or two things that you say, I just love to experience, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a big postseason thing, but is there, is there something in college women's basketball where you go, I just, I'd love to work at this place, or I'd love to experience this. Is there a couple of those things left on your bucket list? Yeah. So there's two things that I would like to accomplish before it's all done and over with. Mm -hmm. And that would be, I would like to work in the Big Ten tournament, mm. and I would like to work a matchup, two teams in the top ten. Oh wow! Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, and I've worked two top twenty-five matchups multiple times. You know, yep. many times in the past, but I've never worked two top ten matchups because, let's face it, one through ten, there, that's way different than number three team playing the number twenty-three team. Sure. That's yep. just a big difference. So that would be really fun to be able to be part of that. Um, other than that, that's, you know, mm-hmm. for my own, you know, giddiness to say, yeah, I worked, you know, number four and number eight this year. That would be fun. That's very it's, cool. it's always fun to know that you have someone on your schedule that is in the top ten. Yeah. But, you know, they may be playing in a school of blind and it doesn't yeah. make a difference. So. Um, those are two things that I'd, I'd like to be able to experience before it's all over. I don't know if it'll happen, mm-hmm. but I would. It would uh, definitely check the box for me. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, and I'm not saying once I get that, like okay, I'm out of here. Out of here, yeah, you know no. what I mean? Because yep. the next the next step will be well, I want to work number one, number two matchup. Yeah, that's what I want. Oh, I want to work the semifinals in the Big Ten. Yeah, things like that. So yeah, that's where I'm at. 
No, that's very cool. And, you know, one of the things that I, I hope our listeners hear is that, you know, number one, there are, there are things that no matter where you're at that you still haven't accomplished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there are things that we're, we're always wanting to get better. I think sometimes people see a, a Jeff Cross as a clinician someplace and they're like, okay, well, he's got it all figured out mm. and he's got the perfect schedule and he's got everything he wants and man, it's kind of easy and whatever. Well, truth is, is that every season we're all just figuring this thing out regardless of what level we work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all don't have everything we want. That's right. We exactly right. You know, there's, there's still, you know, and the thing I tell people all the time is, okay, if you, if, if you make $60,000 a year right now and your boss says, I'm going to give you a raise and next year you're going to make a hundred thousand. It's not going to be, but a year or two before you're not content with a hundred thousand mm-hmm. and you're going to want 120. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because that is that is our nature as human beings. Our nature is to crave more, mm-hmm. right? That's that's why that's why Ben and Jerry's sells their ice cream in pints rather than in half gallons, because they know that they can sell two pints for more money than they can sell one half gallon. Mm. But you're going to crave more. One pint is not going to be enough. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're going to sell two pints for more money than a half gallon and they'll put out less money and they're going to make more because they know that's what we crave. We Mm -hmm. crave more. There's a reason why there's a double quarter pounder on the menu at McDonald's. Yeah. Well, there's a reason we went from dial up to the wireless Internet. Absolutely. Because we craved it faster. That's right. Oh, the Internet's cool. I need it faster. You know, I'm downloading pictures or, you know, whatever that is, I'm downloading websites. So I need it faster. Yeah. So we, we constantly crave more. So no matter what level you get to as an official, just know there's always going to be another level you're going to want to get to. Yeah. Now I watch a ridiculous amount of video on both the baseball side and the basketball side. I, I may watch close to as much video as any other official in the nation. I'm not going to say more because there's people like Aaron Talbot out there that are just nuts (laughs) when it comes to watching that stuff. But I watch a ton of video and I will tell you this. I watch a ton of D3 video. I watch a ton of D2. I watch a ton of D1. I think on a night in night out basis, just from the difficulty of calling the game, our D3 officials have a harder job than our D1 officials. Oh yeah. They're definitely on the front lines, you know, because it's, it's sloppier games. Mm -hmm. It's, less athletic players. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes coaches that have been around for 25 years and feel like they really don't have to answer to anybody. So Mm -hmm. they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Where at the D1 level, the turnover is a lot greater Mm -hmm. and there's more parameters put on. Now, there is a much higher expectation of our D1 officials. Mm -hmm. You know, D3 may be harder, but I can get away with being an 80% correct play caller. And at the D1 level, I couldn't get away with being an 80%. Right. D, you know. Because at the D3 level, if you make that mistake, the coordinator's going, listen, they're learning. Yeah, it was a mistake. Yep. We're, we're teaching them. You know, we're trying to get them better. All those things. When you're working the Big Ten, that, that's not what they're saying. That's right. They're not saying, oh, we're trying to get them better. <laughs> no, yep. they, you need to be good then. That's right. You know, another thing you didn't mention is table personnel. You know, <sighs> table personnel in a Division three game, it, it it could be potluck. It could be three people that got the notification 40 minutes before game came. Hey, you got to work the shot clock today. That's right. You got two softball players, two two basketball or baseball. two uh, baseball players mm-hmm. that are working your table. Yep, and they're 
awesome young kids yep. and and they want to do their absolute best, but this is a work study job for them. Yep. And their phone's sitting next to them. And every time it dings, they're distracted. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're having a conversation about where they're going to go after the game. Yeah. And it can be tough. Very, very tough. And that that's probably that may even be harder than the actual officiating the game mm -hmm. and dealing with the 30-year coach. Yeah. Because that 30-year coach has seen every baseball and softball player come through there over the past 30 years. He's used to, He or she is used to that. Yeah. This is normal. Why are you worried about this? This is what always happens. I need you to get the play right. Oh, yeah. I had a game last year where the clock kept having issues. And so within the first five minutes of the game, I think we'd had to make eight clock corrections. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. And we weren't making clock corrections for like a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. These were like 10 second issues, mm -hmm. right? That we're trying to fix. I mean, like it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was difficult. And the coach was going nuts because we were killing the flow of the game. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. No coach. We're enforcing <laughs> what we have to enforce. Yeah. You know, and at the, at the D one level, first of all, it wouldn't happen. Right. Well, yeah, but, very rarely. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But at least not that often, but right. if it, if it was, let's say it was a, a major clock malfunction that was causing all that mm -hmm. coaches are like, okay, we don't like it, but like, yeah, that's gotta get fixed. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas sometimes those other levels, they In don't. Division one coaches are going to, they're going to go right to game administration and say, listen, we can't have, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry working the shot clock next year or next week because, you know, they're not focused. They don't know what they're, they know what they're doing. So, yep. yeah, they they control that whole gym. <laughs> you know, I like, like to think they do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's great. So I, I think it's really important for people to realize that, you know, we all, there's always that next step. Mm. You know, there's there's always that. Most of the time we're, we're never content. And, you know, what – what worked for a Jeff Cross last year might not be the thing that works for a Jeff Cross this next year. Truth. You know, and uh, we're all independent contractors and things can be great one year, more difficult the next and flipped around just as easy. Yeah, it's, I think you're, you're spot on. And we have to be willing to see the changes that are happening around us and make the changes. And I'm just going to give you a simple example in baseball. Back when I was working baseball, we got third base extended all the time. Mm -hmm. That was just coming into thing, and you stayed there by six and you watched that play, and you had a great look. When we introduced it, or when it got introduced, we're like, "Oh, this is such a great look." Once you see third base extended, you'll never want another look ever again. Well, now it's turned into third base extended, or start at the the point, yeah, and then curl around as that play is coming, so you can see that tag on the back mm -hmm. of the of the runner and all that stuff. And I and I. When I started hearing this, of course I was watching it happen, but I started hearing it. And now the more I get plays at the plate, I'm like, whew, I really, you know, I just can't stay here third base extended. I have to be willing to move in that because it is a great look. Yeah. And I see umpires on TV, whether it be the NCAA Super Regionals or Major League Baseball, I see them doing that. And I'm thinking, man, that's that's so important yeah. and the, the game is involved. And if I'm not willing to involve with the game, I will be sitting at the JUCO games, not moving up or maybe the high school games or whatever that is. And I won't, I won't have any success because I wasn't willing to change with the surroundings that are, that the game has changed. Yeah. Same in basketball. Absolutely. I don't have any examples there, but you know, uh, when I, I in basketball, I always think about rules. You know, if I'm not willing to change with the rules, like, oh, yeah, I think this is stupid. We got to count the 10, 10 second backcourt, or we don't have to count, or listen, until the rules tell me, I think it's stupid. We got hand checks, or whatever that might be. I just don't want to 
lock into, I'm going to do things my way. I have to be willing to change. That's going to help us find success continually, whether you move up or not. Yeah, no, it's good. That's very, very good. Well, you know, for me in basketball this year, um, I have one major, major goal. And yes, I will use the word goal. All right. uh, you know, I've, I've had the incredible fortune over the last uh, three, four years to work a lot of Division One preseason, um, whether that's um, scripted practices, whether it's full-on scrimmages, um, exhibitions, that kind of thing. I've, I've had the ability to do that, the, the good fortune to be able to do that. And I believe it's helped out my season at the D2, D3 level a lot because, you know, you see things just kind of like, you know, if I go work a, a Frontier League baseball game and I'm seeing guys throw 96, 97 pretty regularly, well, then I go to a college woodback game where they're throwing 92 and it almost feels like it's coming in slow motion. It's, mm-hmm. it's easier to call. Well, the same thing happens on the basketball side. You know, you see those quicker, faster players and you're making decisions there and then you step back to a D2 or a D3 and then it just makes calling those plays a little bit easier. Um, but, uh, I would love, uh, for this to be the year that I finally get added to a, a, a D one regular staff. Now, again, you know, that's a, it's a goal, but the only control I have over that goal is just the ability to continue to improve and do what I do and make sure my fitness is where it needs to be and all those kinds of things. And again, if, if I do that, but other people advance more than I did, it may not be that I didn't do those things that I set out to mm-hmm. do, but if other people can, can do more, um, then I, I may not, I may not achieve that goal. Uh, but that, you know, that is a, a big goal for me for this year, for, uh, 22, Um, if, if regardless of whether that happens or not, you know, I, I hope that my D2 opportunities, uh, continue to evolve and, and increase. And, you know, I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to work some D3 postseason uh, at the conference tournament level and have, have loved that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll continue to get uh, some of those opportunities. And then, you know, it's also fun now because now, especially at, you know, what I'll call lower levels, not lower meaning lesser important, but just as we kind of climb the tiers, I think we all understand what we're saying there. You know, I'm getting the opportunity to, to teach and do some stuff at some JUCO things, high school things, stuff like that. And, and again, because of my makeup, you know, I, I really enjoy getting to, to do that and be a part of it. And so uh, for me, this is going to be a fun, a fun year. And part of the reason this one's going to be so fun, um, some of our listeners are aware and some may not. Uh, I got remarried just almost a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been living in two states mm. uh, because of her job. She couldn't transition out of that job uh, until a certain time because of retirement and contributions and all that good stuff and everything. And so uh, her house finally uh, will close uh, on this Friday, uh, just a couple days from now, and uh, she'll come over here. We're in the process of buying then a, a house that's new to both of us, mm. uh, so it'll be kind of ours, and we're we're looking forward to that. Uh, but it'll also then be our first full year together. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, in one place the whole time, and she is so incredibly supportive and encouraging for what I do in officiating. I mean. Uh, I think that's an advantage of the fact that we got married long after I was already a sports official. She understood that was part of the thing and she's uh, amazing at her job and uh, works like crazy. So she understands what it's like to, 
you know, to put in and to pay your dues and to, to do all those things. Strive for excellence, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you know, it'll, it'll be kind of neat to be able to come home after a, a late game in February and, you know, and, and she'll be there. So that part will be nice, um, to, to have a little bit more normalcy, mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to some of that. Uh, but then also just, you know, that encouragement that comes from that constantly. I know, you know, you've been so blessed with the way, you know, Gina has supported what you've done in your officiating career. And, and we've all seen what it's like when, uh, officials don't necessarily get that support yeah. at home. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. She's cheered me on as I head to my camps and clinics this summer and uh, does all those little things to help me, you know, whether it's uh, stay with my fitness goals or do other things like that. She's so supportive there. And so uh, for me, that's, that's a goal I know I'll be able to uh, accomplish, just being able to experience the first year with her. Yeah. Do you think... Um... With it, you know, because now it's going to be new, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be, I'll be home at one. Do, do you th how how do you envision it? Do you envision it? She's going to be sitting at the on the couch, maybe sleeping, waiting for you to get home, or do you envision it like I'll chat with you in the morning? Yeah, she'll be in bed asleep, okay. no doubt about it, because right. she'll have a, a long day at the hospital the next day, and uh, and all that. But. Um, you know, she'll check in with me as I drive. Uh, she always wakes up uh, for at least a minute or two when I get back, yeah, you yeah. know, gives me mm -hmm. a quick kiss and, and heads back to sleep. But I yeah. think part of it is just knowing that, you know, whenever you're building something together, mm -hmm. uh, that's there's something that's kind of special to that. There's something real special to to that in, in regards to you get that email, whatever, that you're Division One. And you could share that with someone special sitting right next to you. Yeah. Not let me call you and, you know, tell you mm -hmm. what this email or forward this email, check your email, you know, those kind of things. That is, I, I remember vividly that when I got my first division one email, this was back in the day when not everyone had phones with emails on it. So I checked it in the morning and there it was. And I printed it out and literally took it to bed because Gina was still sleeping. I, you know, I'm an early riser and I, and I showed it to her and I got, she got to read it with me. You know, I got to see her facial expression. Yeah. She got to see mine. When you get a chance to share those kind of things, that's what it's all about for me. Anyway, we, you, you want the opportunity to share great things with the people you love. Oh yeah. When I got my NCAA baseball regional this year, there mm -hmm. was nobody more excited for me. Sure. You know, and the funny thing is, is a lot of people out there like don't even have a clue what that is. No, you know, uh, just okay, you're just gonna go work another game. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just the way they see it. But mm -hmm. because she was a high level athlete in yeah. the past, and and gets how some of that stuff works, you know, I'm I'm just so fortunate. And to be honest with you, you know, we call this the uncommon drive, and we started out just because of all the windshield time we've all got, mm -hmm. and we want to do something uncommon with that time. And then, you know, we also then began to talk about how if we're going to do what is really necessary for all of us to succeed at officiating, we have to have an uncommon drive towards that success, towards mm -hmm. that thing that we want to see happen, no matter the level, no matter the sport, uh, no matter even really whether it's in officiating or not, you know, to, to stick out, to be different, you have to be uncommon. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, Jeff and I are so fortunate because a, a big part of what allows us to be uncommon is the fact that we have that kind of support from our partners. Yeah, I agree. I have one last question for you. Sure. 
If you were to do a third sport, what sport would it be and why? Okay. Collegiately. So if I was going to do a third sport collegiately, um, it would be football. Oh. Um, and the and, I, and I've had opportunities to do that. I've, I've worked high school football. I've had people reach out to me and ask me if I would be willing to do college. Um, the reason that I would choose that sport is because um, it is not the same time commitment that the other sports are. Okay. You know, you've got Saturday games. Because it's one night a week, one day yeah, a week. Okay. You know, so, and typically at the college level, you got to show up on Friday. Mm-hmm. You work game Saturday. If you're at the lower college level, it's it's an all-day Saturday. I mean, you're there early in the morning. You're there till late at night kind of thing. Uh, but it's, it's one day a week. So mm-hmm. it takes a little less of, you know, attention away from other things. Sure. There's still meetings you got to go to and stuff you got to be a part of, but so much of that's done virtually now that, mm-hmm. you know, that makes that much easier than, than how it used to be. Um, I already have some, some background in the game, that kind of thing. And so I think if, if I were to take on a, a third sport, which I have no desire to do right now, mm. but if I were, that would be the one I'd do. What about you? Volleyball. I knew that's where you're going. Yeah. Volleyball. I think volleyball would be, you know, it's, it's, it spent some time in my head over the past whatever five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a fun sport to watch. Oh sure, you know, I feel like that would be a sport that I could, as long as I have my vision, I could still potentially, you know, do it to a pretty good level. Uh, so that's you know that that would be my reasoning, I guess, because it's a fun sport to be around. Um, you don't have to be in elite condition to be able to run up and down the floor, you know, or the field. There's, there's less movement that way. You just got to have good vision, good communication skills. If you can get through that, uh, you know, maybe some technology with replay or whatever that, you know, whatever that is. So I think volleyball would attract me. I think if I was to pick up volleyball collegiately, it would be after I stop basketball, basketball or, you know, whatever it is. So like, okay, I'm not doing any sports now. I'm just going to do one because mm-hmm. and if anybody who's listening, I've told Gina this a hundred times. Anyone who's listening, please, one day when I die, do not, I repeat, do not say, let's bury him in his referee uniform. Okay? Yeah. I just want to be in a baseball hat and a polo shirt. <laughs> That's it. I don't want to be, I don't, just no matter, even though I've been official for, you know, basically my whole adult life, I don't want to be buried in an official's uniform and I don't want my uh, Paul Bears to show up in the umpire uniform. I don't want that. I want it to be normal, I guess. Yeah. If that that's a you know, there there's even though a lot of people identify officiating with you, mm-hmm. it is not your identity. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's a real easy thing for us to fall into the trap of. Mm. You know, I'm I'm an official. No, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. Yeah. I'm a this, I'm a that. And I, I think no matter the jobs that we work so many times, especially in American society, we get it so twisted up. What we do is not who we are. Mm, good. Um, and uh, if if that's a thought we could leave you with today, yeah. uh, I think that'd be awesome because I think that's a big step towards becoming uncommon. Mm-hmm. Because if what, you, if what you do is who you are, then whenever what you do changes you are lost. Yeah. You know? And so if, if you were a, you know, if your job was installing home telephones, 
Well, guess what? There was a time a couple decades ago where you just lost your identity because people yeah. stopped having telephones installed in their house. Yeah. You know, and we could go through job after job after job where eventually it goes away. And, you know, if, if you're a, a football official and that's your identity and 10 years from now they say, we've had enough with this concussion business. We're done with it. We're not mm. doing it anymore. And that's your only identity. Then that's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. difficult. Yeah. But if, if you're a person first who does that thing, mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Yeah. And I think especially in our culture today, it makes you a little more uncommon. It's funny you said thing about telephone because about two weeks ago, I woke up and there was a, a line laying in our, across our driveway. Okay. You know, from the power lines and stuff. Yeah. And we know when the power line because we all had power. I'm like, man, what's going on? Well, it was a, a telephone line that had busted somewhere in the wind or whatever it was. And it was sitting in the yard. No one, no one was like calling the phones out, the phones out. <laughs> right. It's just this aimless telephone line. It yeah. took them, I don't know, a good day for them to even come out there and clip it off. All they did was clip it off and got rid of it, you know? And I'm thinking, we don't even need this. Yeah. That tells you, because I didn't know what my neighbors have, but I'm like, ask my neighbors, do you even have home phone? No, I don't have home phone. We don't have home phone. I'm like, what do we got this thing up here for? So it was very interesting sure. to see how... 20 years ago, if a phone line was down, it was a big deal. That's right. The phones are out. Even if you had power, the phones are out. That's a big deal. And now we wake up and it goes almost two days without anybody fixing it. No one was even worried about it. Just get it off my yard. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, everybody, thanks so much for hanging with us. I know it's a little longer episode than normal, but it we was. thought maybe this would be just a great way to give you a little insight. Um, not just into us, but maybe as you're thinking about your plans for this upcoming season in the sports, you know, how does it affect you uh, in your life? You know, mm-hmm. your home, your day job, your, that kind of thing. You know, how does it affect you as you lead others on the court, uh, off the court, on the field, off the field? Uh, and, you know, your your legacy. We talked about that mm-hmm. today. You know, uh, don't don't live your life to be married, to be buried in a striped shirt. That's right. You know, but uh, live your life in such a way that the people that wore the striped shirts with you mm-hmm. will miss you when you're gone. Mm-hmm. I love it. All great right. stuff. Everybody have a great day. Talk See, to you soon. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.